Deep in the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday It's Friday, April 28th And we've got a freaky lineup for you today Happy Friday. Happy Friday. We made it, all of us. Another week in the bag. Do people stay, still say Friday? They shouldn't <laughs> if they do, but do they? Only whenever you're delivered a really nice hot basket of good french fries. Then you go, Friday. Fries. Yay. Friday. I have to admit, though, as far as day of the week jokes go, when that hump day commercial got real big oh god you remember that it was I all anybody it was could so say. funny yeah and it was all it was anybody so could funny. say yeah <laughs> oh yeah what did he say again hump day. <laughs> and if you were the person in your office that you could that could do the insurance company camel impression <laughs> that's what it was a camel i was thinking it was a, a llama but yeah it was a camel. <laughs> That was a, I remember being a kid and hearing my parents joke about where's the beef and I was like you old dorks no one knows your old commercial references and now in 2023 we're like do you guys remember when they used to be like hump day <laughs> yeah 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 also, and then someday the, uh, old spice commercials oh, great gosh. campaign big fan of those too he would like look right in the camera and be like hello I'm gonna go to the moon now he was great. yeah yeah he was great Yep. Man. Oh, man. And then in 25 years, we'll be like, the, listen, you don't understand. The gecko was British. It was hilarious. <laughs> he he was funny because geckos don't drive. They don't need insurance. Shut up, Grandma. That's the joke. <laughs> Eat your pudding. I think we're the ones that are going to be eating. Oh, you are talking What's to us. Saying, okay. Shut up, Grandma. I thought you were Eat telling your, your Grandma to shut up. <laughs> no, I am the grandma being yes. told to eat the pudding, which I will as much as I, I usually eat mush all the time. I eat so many kids' applesauces now. That's, I eat it all the time. Oh, yeah, they're great. You just suck them right down out of that <laughs> tube. Yeah, yep. it says made for kids, but it doesn't matter. I'll still eat them. Oh, I eat them uh, all the time. We got them in our house. I eat kids' food probably more than adult food. Some of it's so good, though. So, oh, yeah. Speaking of so good, you have quite a lineup for us today. Not only do we have four excellent listener-submitted Freaky Friday stories, but we have three additional. So you're actually, if you're listening, getting one extra story than you would normally get because our delightful friend, Andrew, no last name, we're just going to call him Andrew. Just kidding. You'll hear it. We'll riff about it on the interview and you'll hear it. But he brought with him a personal story from himself and then kind of a true crime uh, odd but true from his own listeners and then a paranormal one. So we got all kinds for you lined up today. His name is Andrew Tate. It Listen. is not the Andrew Tate. Okay. It's the good Andrew Tate. We don't know the bad Andrew Tate. We don't want to know him. We'll no. never know him. No. The good Andrew Tate, delightful host of the Let's Not Meet podcast. Angel has a voice that well, it makes my heart. It's like a salve for the soul. He has a beautiful voice. Good voice. And yes. uh, yeah, definitely is not like, hey, I'm Andrew Tate. And oh, uh, that's no. my shitbag Andrew Tate uh, impression. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you to be an alpha right now. Like, 
Okay. Yes. He just, the way he talks so disjointed, but it's not that one. It's not the shitty imprisoned one. It is not the shitty one. This one is very respectful. Not a UFC fighter, not in prison. No, fantastic. He's free. He's out and about and free to make several fantastic podcasts. So yeah, we're excited that we got to talk to him today. Yes, we will get to that at the end. But first, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Anonymous, and it is called The Time My True Crime Mind May Have Saved My Life. I'm glad my daughter, Anonymous, has chosen to write in again. Write in again. Oh, I forgot. Yes, my thank sweet, you. My sweet daughter, yeah. thank you. She's got a lot of stories. <laughs> and poems and quotes, and poems. Too. Yeah, she's a lot of stories, poems, quotes. She's all over the place. She's all over the place. She's like a frontage road. <laughs> That's where she lives, actually. <laughs> on frontage road i told you how in high school i thought frontage road was the name of a road and then i was always like how can there be so many of them they can't connect and that's also confusing and then i realized it's the same as like a feeder road or you know an on-ramp type situation it seems lazy though when you see all those signs you're like come on let's call it something else have some fun well anonymous writes Hey, ladies, thanks for reading my submission. Your podcast is my absolute favorite, and I can't get enough of all you do. Thank you for giving voices to victims and highlighting important topics. I could go on and on, but for the sake of brevity, let's get into it. I'd like to keep my name anonymous as my state is small, and everyone knows everyone. I'm writing to tell you about a time where my true crime mind may have saved my life. To set the scene and give a bit of context to the story. I live in rural New Hampshire. By rural, I mean population of 2,000 or less per town. Police departments are not staffed 24 hours a day. This is important later. The only store in town is a combination grocery store, coffee shop, gas station, tax prep, and town meeting location. Tractor traffic is real, and the good old boys drive big, jacked-up pickup trucks. You get the picture. I moved up here two years ago from a more city setting to my dream farm home in the hills. And ladies, has it been a learning curve for sure. Now, on to my story. I am a first responder for a local town nearby to my home. My day starts very early, and I leave for work around 5 a.m. Our roads do not have streetlights, and you can't really get there from here, so there is a lot of dark back road driving to get to my station. We had recently had a significant snowstorm, so roads were tight and broken trees or their branches littered the side of the roads, sometimes even closing roads completely, so I left a little earlier to be sure I had enough time to get in. As I was driving in, I turned down one of these dark side roads and happened upon a large pickup truck pulled over on the side of the road with its hazard lights on. That's when two competing parts of my brain kicked in. The first responder part of my brain immediately thought, Oh no, maybe they're stuck. Maybe someone's hurt. Maybe they need help. Those thoughts were immediately overridden by the true crime single female in the dark part of my brain saying, it's not safe to stop. State police are 45 minutes away. Keep going. I was able to quickly meet in the middle and thought, okay, slow down. If someone is laying in the road, address that only. Not getting out of my car, I quickly looked around and I couldn't see anyone. So I kept on my way to work. My cell phone doesn't have service in this area, and my radio is spotty, so I was going to call it in when I knew I had service. At least I knew dispatch is staffed. It was about 5.15 a.m. I continue on towards work, 
Travel conditions for these roads were okay, relatively speaking, so I was able to drive at a reasonable pace. Not three minutes later, that truck was behind me, driving like an absolute menace. Tailgating does not even begin to describe how close they were. Their headlights were on high and blinding me. There are a lot of twists and turns and offshoots from the road we were on, and I hoped that maybe they would turn heading another way. They didn't. My mind was racing. I thought, just keep driving at the speed you're going. If they are truly in a rush, they will go around you. Assholes do it all the time. They didn't, and we drove like this for about 15 minutes. My cell service was still down. The tower must have been severely impacted by the storm. As I got into the next town, the one I worked in, I knew I would be passing by the police station and quickly devised a plan. I was going to pull into the back lot where the officers parked, where it's well lit, and hopefully this truck won't follow me. So I did just that. And y'all, the truck followed me in. At the time I was pulling in, by the grace of the entire universe and every god in existence, the police chief was stepping out of his truck to start his day. I immediately flew into the spot next to him. The truck chasing me continued around the building and left. The chief walked up to me and knew something was wrong immediately, and I told him what had happened. I wasn't able to get the license plate, and the cameras couldn't catch it either, so we don't know who it was and couldn't follow up if we tried. I am so glad I didn't stop when I initially came across that truck. Who knows what could have happened? You hear all these stories of women going missing, and I can't help but think... I could have been one of those cases. Stay safe on the roads, listen to your gut, and keep it creepy. The 15 minutes of an erratic driver behind you is made my stomach hurt so bad because That's I'm... the longest 15 minutes ever. 15 minutes is already a pretty long time. Yes! And then you're on a snowy, treacherous road with some a huge truck just in your back seat, basically? No, thanks. And no cell phone service to call and be mm-hmm. like, hi, 911. It's a red, this type of truck. The driver looks like the, I mean, anything to help. But you're just like, well, no one knows where I'm at. And no one's going to know what happened because it's some anonymous truck ran me down. And then you think, oh, I'll just go to a police station. And then for it to follow you in, thank God the police chief's like, oh, I'm going to put my coffee on top of my, oh, my God, this woman is in distress. <laughs> like, what is happening? Because you're just like. Whip in. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that they knew each other since she is a first responder. Yeah. It's the eeriest part of this to me is this person most likely premeditated that they were going to kidnap someone. I don't, who knows, but they were sitting off the side of a, a snowy road. You know, it was all a ruse. It was a trap to lure someone in. And luckily, Anonymous didn't fall for it. Probably a big part of that is because, yes, you're a first responder. You know what you got to do. I think, though, with that comes the training of the true crime mind setting in. Like, sometimes things aren't what they seem. You know, if you, like we always say, if you can't do anything to help and you have the possibility of getting severely hurt, just keep on going. Call the cops when you can. Right. Weigh your options. And exactly what Anonymous said, like if there's somebody lying out like they've been hit by a car or they were having a medical emergency and fell out, you know, got out of their car to like flag a car down, maybe, 
Maybe, maybe even, even then, even though, then, you're like, yeah, what if this is all a trap? That's where my mind goes. Right. And it's, you know, call for backup or exactly what what Anonymous did here and drive to a police station to say, this is what I witnessed. You are all well equipped. You have radios, you have fire department, EMTs, depending on what this person needs. Or it sounds like actual police to arrest them because they were lying yeah. in wait and then menacing at the very least driving like dangerously and menacing this person as they try to get you know get to safety but you're right it sounds like a trap it sounds like luring like why would you be sitting there and then perhaps driving erratically to try and get them to pull over I was thinking that because I was like, oh, well, well, if somebody's tailgating me, maybe I would just pull over to the shoulder. But then what if they do and they pull like in front of you or something? Yeah. I mean, they might be wanting you to pull over because you didn't fall for the first trap. Damn. Traps on traps on traps. Well, good Mm -mm. for you, Anonymous. Yes. Good for you. And um, keep on writing your poems. Keep on. Yeah. Love you. You know. You're doing a lot of great stuff out there. Your name's everywhere. Yes. Proud of you. (laughs) Your mom's proud. (laughs) Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from Leanne or Leanne, and it is called Less Freaky, More Fuck Yeah. Hi, friends. This is my first time writing in. Feel free to skip this little intro on air if you decide to read it. But I saw your show in Raleigh last year and showed you pictures of my son, who's Simon's age, during the meet and greet. I still laugh when I think about how Christy zoomed right in on his little toes and Heather scolded her with, He's more than just a pair of feet, Christy. Absolutely top tier memory for me. So thank you for that. You two are a treasure. Anyway, this story is not in any way spooky, freaky, haunted, or chilling, but it's one that I think back to often when I feel like I need a win, and I hope it can give you and your listeners the same sense of empowerment and justice, and fuck yeah, that it gave to me. So here goes. Our scene opens in 2015, on a nice late spring day in Maryland. I was 25 and at the time worked as an office manager in a business park near a large shopping center. Since it was a gorgeous day, I decided I wanted to walk to lunch and happily made the 10-minute trek to Chipotle. Obviously, I got the extra guac. When I was making my way back to the office, I stopped at a crosswalk, as one does, oblivious to the world around me. Then I heard it, two male voices coming from a pickup truck, shouting lewd, obscene descriptions of what they'd like to do to me, complete with gesticulations. Let's say to provide a visual aid, just in case I didn't get it, I guess. Tale as old as time, unfortunately. I froze, and the truck, which had been stopped at the same red light, began to drive away, but not before I could whip out my phone and take a picture. You see, these weren't just two assholes in a truck. These were two assholes in a company truck. A local company, with the name and phone number plastered all over the front and side of the vehicle. Idiots. I dialed the number with shaking hands, and as it rang, I secretly prayed nobody would answer. I wanted to be heard, but I also didn't want to be dismissed, or worse, told to take it as a compliment. I panicked as the phone connected, but asked to speak with someone in charge of their vehicles. After a brief hold, a woman picked up the line, and from there, it was instantaneous word vomit. Um, hi, my name is Leanne, and I'm walking back to work on Wedgwood Boulevard by the movie theater. And, um, well, when I was waiting at a light, two of your employees pulled up and started yelling a bunch of really explicit stuff to me, um, with gestures. And I don't know what you can do about it, but I just thought someone should know. 
The silence on the other end was almost too much to bear. I was so embarrassed, and what even made me think that they would care in the first place. It's not like they could do anything, and there was no physical harm done. I decided I shouldn't have called, and I was about to apologize and hang up when the woman, through gritted teeth, said, I know exactly who you're talking about. There's no way to explain the feeling of relief that rushed through my body. Not only was I able to give my account to someone who it actually mattered to, she was listening to me. And friends, she was livid. I've thought about this moment a lot since then, and I think what is so fundamentally upsetting about that kind of catcalling is that they always speed off and leave you there with all the shame and embarrassment, and no way to answer or advocate or speak up for yourself or fight back. It's such a feeling of powerlessness, and this was my chance to take that power back. Ultimately, I don't know what happened to them, and ultimately it's none of my business, but for my own gratification, I like to imagine the look on their faces as they answered a call from the office, probably thinking someone was just calling in to ask a quick question about their route or something. I picture them going from laughing and joking about the things they said to me to their faces falling as they realize that they fucked around and were about to find out. Whatever happened to them is their consequence to deal with, not mine. As I've retold this story over the years, some people, read men, have tried to guilt me over potentially costing these guys their jobs. But I'm not the one who stuck my head out of company vehicle and sexually harassed anyone, am I? Anyway, I know that this was a lot of text for not a whole lot actually happening, but this is the best attempt I have at bottling that moment. The feeling of being heard and understood and not placated or told it wasn't a big deal, and sharing it with you all, because every person should have that experience when they're brave enough to stand up and advocate for themselves. Thank you again for everything you do. I always, always look forward to your episodes, and I hope to catch you next time you're in North Carolina. Love, Leanne. Well, Leanne, thank you for writing that, and I definitely remember that moment. I remember that. And thank you for the opportunity for Christy to do an impression of me. (laughs) (laughs) Was it good? What'd you think? Always. Fantastic. (laughs) I remember those little toes. Oh, man. I got a thing for baby feet. She loves it's them. It's not They're weird. Perfect. It's fine. I just love baby feet and her little They're toesies. Perfect. They're so perfect. They're, little, They're just so tiny. cute. Little, so, little so shrimps cute. just hanging out on the end of their feet. They're so curled cute. over. Just a little yeah. curled over. But So thank you for sharing that beautiful image with us. But also, this is a beautiful image of saying, you know what? Not today. I'm going to call it in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And that feeling, I know it when you're like, They're going to tell me I'm an idiot. Time to back out. And I'm so glad that the woman on the other line was like, not again. Yeah. She knew who these two were immediately. This wasn't her first walk in the park with those two assholes. Oh, certainly not. And I wonder if she was like, I was waiting for another call about them so I could fucking finally fire their asses. They've Mm -hmm. been menaces. Also, I'd like to say that you started off by saying it wasn't spooky, freaky, haunted, or chilling. I respectfully disagree. Maybe not haunted, but we've all been there. We've all been walking down the street, walking your dog. I used to live at this apartment complex. I didn't even like going, walking our dog right in front of it because the traffic on that road was just nonstop. It was constant honking, which you're just trying to walk and somebody just blasts their horn. It's startling. It makes, you know, you get that prickly, like angry feeling all over your body. And then of course the yelling lewd comments and, and stuff like that. But I never had been able to pinpoint it, and I think Leanne did perfectly. Why it's so much is because 
they drive off. They yes. do the damage, drive off, and you're just left there to grapple with what just happened. What was just said to me? I feel so ashamed and embarrassed, also scared. I want to get back into my house super fast. If other people were around, you're embarrassed. When you did nothing, nothing wrong. No, I was walking Buffy yesterday and someone just honked and yelled at me. And for a second when they honked, I thought it was road rage or something, but I was the only person walking and I I, I didn't know. It, like you said, it was startling. I was like, oh God, is there a car accident? I was in front of like a elementary school, you know, wearing pant, black pants, plain black pants. But that same stretch of road, I've gotten, somebody stopped and started talking to me one time and said, hey, why are you walking by yourself? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a terrible thing. But you panicked <laughs> in the moment and I was like, uh, I'm not alone. I have a pit bull with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, and then drives off. And then was like, well, I just want to say, you know, you should, you should, a pretty girl like you should be walking by herself. I'm like, Don't I'm going to walk the opposite that. direction of your car. Because yeah, I mean, and it wasn't even like I was dr- walking toward where they were and they pulled up toward me and had enough time to talk to me. And of course I took off walking, but it just leaves you in. It wasn't anything obscene like this. Cause in that case I was like, well, that's eerie. He might follow me home. You know, I'm going to walk more where people are playing soccer, where I see that like kids are with their parents on a jungle gym. So you stay like in eye contact to your neighbors. But what he's just done have robbed me of my very favorite. One of my favorite things is my chill dog walking time. Mm-hmm. And so it does it. It spoils that moment. And then they get to go keep having the rest of their day. Yeah. They probably don't think twice about it after that. And you're left thinking about it all day and years later writing in about it. Right. It but I do that much love. I love being like, Oh, you have a phone number on the side of how's my driving? Uh, it's dog shit because you <laughs> slowed down to scream expletives at me and make horribly wild gesticulations with your hands. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I've only had one cat call that was like v- verbally, like that was offensive. That was more, more than just mm-hmm, or like nice or like honk or wolf mm-hmm. call. It was like, damn bitch, you got a fat ass. Mm. And I said, what did you just say to me? And he said, I meant it in a good way. And I was like, oh, but again, like, what am I supposed to respond to that? No, you don't. I mean, no. I don't know what to, yeah, you, you, you don't, you just put your head down and keep walking is usually what happens when they got a big old billboard of where they work though. I probably would have called it in number and you tell whoever answers Hopefully you get somebody that's just as livid as this woman. But even if not, now you can also take to Twitter, take yeah. to social media. You you see videos all the time of people like at gas stations. I remember especially like in 2016, this became a really big problem where people would confront others at gas stations and just hurl racial insults and like the most unimaginable things. And they would video it. And then you'd be like, that guy's in his uh, work truck. Just mm-hmm. yelling all this at a at a gas pump, and then you'd hear a follow up that he was let go. Yeah, there's uh several pages that have like, I think it's Reddit pages and different TikToks and Twitter Twitter threads and stuff where it'll be footage of a person being horrible, whether it's you know screaming at a bartender, sexual things or racist things or whatever, and then you know a couple of tweets down, it's like, and here's an update from the company because we yeah. immediately he was wearing a polo shirt with his name on it or whatever. You know, it's like we found out where he worked like instantaneously, and because you can't fight the internet, you may think that you're real crafty, but you're not craftier than the old WWW. So no, <laughs> no, no, you're not. Or. If people scorned people want to see people like that 
get their comeuppance. So if you post something online, there's thousands of people that are like, I'll find out where this asshole works right now. I'll tell you right now where it works. It's the RBI. It's the Reddit Bureau of Investigation. (laughs) But And I would also like to say, Leanne, to the people that you told this to and have said, oh, man, you you must have cost those guys their jobs. Just send a message for me and tell those people to shut the fuck up because that's not the appropriate response. If if you go, hey, I was at a restaurant. Actually, I wasn't even at a restaurant. I was walking down the street and um, someone from a restaurant came out and threw a shrimp in my mouth that was uncooked and poisoned me. So I went inside and I said, hey, your employee just tossed a shrimp, a poisoned shrimp in my mouth outside the scope of their job. It was violent. It was assaultive. I just want to let you know he did that. And they're like, all right, we're going to let him go. Would you go, you know, you cost a good guy his job. Right. He was just out in the street hucking shrimp at people. Why can't you be respectful and thoughtful of a man just trying to do his job every day? I'm like, I don't think that's the scope of your employment. If it is, no. we need to talk about it. No, no. I, you know, if you're to movie theater and someone comes up to you and it's like hey i'm a i'm an obgyn and you look like you need an exam right now and then you call their practice you're like um i was just trying to watch a movie and this man was trying to like sell his services to me would you think oh that's a predator they shouldn't be allowed to to have that job or would you think He's just looking out for your vagina. He just, he calls it like he sees it. He's just doing his, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He was like, listen, that's what this hat is. It says FBI. It's female body inspector. I'm a <laughs> licensed medical professional. He's like, no, man. Yeah. You just, I think anything like that where you, where you hear, you're telling your experience and someone then turns the blame on you and been like, oh, well, I can't believe that you did the right thing by reporting malfeasance. Then you just know everything you need to know about the person that said that to you. And you're like, Oh God, what horrors have you seen and not said anything so that a good guy could keep his job? Or what horrors have you done as the quote good guy? And you feel a lot of guilt or you don't want to feel that guilt. So then you deflect and act like it's not a problem. So you don't have to grapple with your own problems with your own shit or get fired from your own job Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you're doing that same shit. So damn Leanne. Well, thank you for sharing that for sure. Thank you. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from Elena, and the subject line is creepy elevator man and a helpful ghosty. Hi, friends. Love the pod. Love you both. Let's get into it. I have a couple of creepy, maybe interesting stories to share. The first one happened while I was at work. For background, I'm a graduate student and work in biomedical research. My lab is in the basement of our school's biology building, and I'm often there on weekends and very late hours, aka when nobody else is there. We used to have a custodian who always made me feel very safe when I worked during weird hours, and he'd often walk me to my car after dark. He's since retired, but I will always appreciate Rocky's kindness during my first couple years there. Our current custodians are also wonderful, but they work different hours and are not usually there in the evenings. A couple of months ago, I was running my experiments fairly late into the night, and as such, most of the building lights are turned off. I usually have your podcast playing in one ear, and this was the case that night. As I'm cleaning up and taking my samples to the freezer room for storage, I decide to take out my earbud. As a young woman alone in this creepy basement at 10 p.m., I wanted to be aware of my surroundings. Going down this dim hallway, I can hear the sounds of the birds and rats coming from other labs. 
But what I always notice the most is the eerie silence from the human anatomy labs, which, of course, contain human donors. Those labs and donors never freak me out in an academic setting. But when I'm alone at night, I usually hurry past the doors. Once I got to the freezer room and carefully stored my samples, I turned around and jumped. There was a tall, older man standing in the freight elevator directly behind me. He had longish gray hair and pointed features, but nothing particularly noteworthy. He must have been there when I entered the area, because that elevator is loud, and I had not heard a thing. Once I saw him, my rational, science-oriented self just let out a nervous laugh and said, Oh, oh, oh you scared me, <laughs> expecting some sort of interaction that would ease my nerves. This man did not laugh, respond, or say a single word. He didn't even step out of the elevator. He just stared at me, not moving an inch, with no facial expression at all. I quickly locked up the freezer and went back through the doors that thankfully can only be opened via ID cards, and then into my lab, which requires a key. I stayed there for several minutes, wishing that my pal Rocky was there to walk me out. After I collected myself, I hurried out of the building into my car, pepper spray in hand. Strangely, there were no other cars in the parking lot. I later asked my other lab mates if they had ever seen a man matching that description in the basement, but they said he didn't sound familiar. I've since had several other late nights and early mornings in the lab, but I've not seen this man again. Since that area of the building is under extremely tight security, I mentioned it to my supervisor in case it was somebody who wasn't supposed to be there. When she brought this concern to security, they said they would check the ID scan records for that day, along with security footage outside of the entrance. I still haven't heard anything more about this, and I kind of hope that I don't. I'm a little bit terrified that they'll tell me there was nobody there that night. The second story is a little bit more lighthearted. I used to live in an apartment with my former partner. I always joked that I had a helpful ghost friend living there with us. There were some spooky noises, things got shuffled around, but nothing serious. The one consistent thing was that whenever I lost something, it would mysteriously show up on my dresser, carefully placed right in the center. These lost and found items were things like necklaces, keys, nail files, and so on. But I never felt any bad vibes, and my partner swore it wasn't him. While we were still together, my partner was planning to move to a different city a few hours away for work. I was going to be staying in that apartment as I was still in graduate school with a few years to go, but the plan was to be long distance until I graduated. It was a whole ordeal, and I was having a really rough go of it with my mental health. One day, we were sitting in the living room discussing how we would be dividing our belongings since we'd been living together for so long. He mentioned that he would be taking the large whiteboard that was hanging in our office. At that moment, the board fell off the wall and came crashing down. It had been mounted on the wall for over two years at that point and never had any issues. There was also no damage to the wall at all. It turns out that my partner had been planning to move to the other city with another woman, like he had already signed the lease with her. To make it better, he signed the lease while we were on a trip to this city together, visiting my family for my birthday, and I was at the vet putting my family dog to rest. Like I said, it was an ordeal. I like to think that my ghost friend knew what was going on and just went, fine, take the fucking whiteboard. He or she had my back. Anyway, I'm doing much better now. 
Turns out a good deal of my mental health struggles were directly related to being in a relationship with this guy. I moved into a house with a close friend who recommended this podcast. I adopted a dog who is my actual soulmate, and I have the most amazing group of friends who I wouldn't have connected with had I still been dating this guy. I haven't had any weird things happen at the new house, but I do miss my helpful ghost whenever I lose my earbuds or my favorite pen. Keep it creepy. I'll see you soon in Salt Lake. Well, we hope, Elena, that you had as much fun at the show in Salt Lake as we did, because it was a blast. On the other uh, side of that, fuck this guy. I can't. Things like this, when you find out that someone's been fucking around like this behind your back, it just, it irks me. I mean, that's probably not a hot take, but what was your plan here? To break up with her once he got there and it's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm already living with another person. I mean, it had been, it was premeditated. Right. Instead of just being like, well, we grew apart. And then I, I mean, to just go, what I'll do is just tell her that we're going to be long distance and really Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Every next phrase of that sentence made me more and more enraged. And I agree. I like to think that Elena's ghost friend knew that this guy was fucking around. And when he was like, I'm going to take the whiteboard, the ghost was like, bitch. And like a cat knocking, (laughs) knocking a candle off the table. Like, fine, take it. Trying to stand up for their Mm -hmm. buddy because that, uh, yeah, not only did he cheat, with another woman, he had signed a lease while they were on in the city to visit her family for her birthday, and she was at the vet putting her own dog down. This person is a fucking menace. Diabolical. He's hard. He's yeah. up there with the guy that dumped me behind a dumpster. <laughs> it's it's yeah. The, uh, don't love any of it. Don't no, love any of what? it. As far as the first story, spooky. Yeah. Oh. The whole thing is spooky. I, I, being in places by yourself late at night, especially a setting like this, a laboratory, and a then business. you, yeah, a laboratory, and you turn around and see what I'm assuming is the spirit of somebody, one of the donors <laughs> from the other room, <laughs> just be. hanging out in the elevator. Why is my body here? And you're like, <laughs> I was putting my samples back. I'm going to go. <laughs> Why am I nude? Um, I was thinking that because even if it was a, you know, a professor, an employee, somebody, they, I would assume would at least say, oh, sorry to startle you. Yeah. I mean, that's how a regular conversation usually Right. Goes. And I think, okay, well, even if we had like a language barrier, you know, somebody didn't, there's international like hands up like, oh, sorry. Like you yeah, can yeah, tell yeah. when someone's like afraid. So I think just standing there staring eerily and yeah, no, don't go down there unless, no. I don't know, sage the basement. I don't know if they'll let you do that at the university. <laughs> sage like, what are the you whole doing? place. <laughs> well, thank you, Elena. This next one is from Sabs and the subject line is a spooky shaman encounter. So I will start by saying that I'm definitely a believer in the paranormal as I've had many creepy experiences in my childhood that are inexplicable and downright terrifying. But this experience was a little different. I was going through some tough things and decided to reach out to my friend Coral, who's a Reiki healer, for some help. She invited me to come over and participate in a group cord pulling ceremony that she was participating in over Zoom with her friend Matt, who's a shaman. The ceremony involves releasing unwanted feelings, people, and trauma, and that was exactly what I needed, so I agreed. During the ceremony, I laid on a massage table in a dimly lit room, 
while Matt, the shaman, guided the ceremony, and Coral provided the Reiki-slash-energy healing with her hands, doing motions on and above different parts of my body. It was very emotional, and I felt quite lighter after the fact. When we were done, Coral left the room to use the restroom, and Matt and I started to make small talk. He then proceeded to inform me that in my childhood, I had an imp following me around. He explained that imps are a type of demon that feed off of negative emotions and enjoy scaring people for fun. I was astonished because that exactly lines up with the things I had experienced as a kid, often seeing a small shadowy figure in my room that would throw things and set off my toys and TV in the middle of the night. It was almost a relief to know that I wasn't crazy, but I was creeped out that he knew something like that when I had never even spoken about it. The next part was even creepier. He told me that in a past life, I was a sin eater. He explained that a sin eater was someone who symbolically took on the sins of the dying or dead by eating food passed over them. This way, someone who had not repented before dying could still get into heaven. Just FYI, these sin eaters were often paid very little or even would have to do it for free just so that they could get a meal. They were often treated as though they were evil since they were full of other people's sin and treated as outcasts. In conclusion, he told me that this manifests in my life by other people often putting their problems on me, making me feel responsible for things I didn't cause, and just general trauma dumping. All pretty accurate assumptions from him. Anyway, I was super freaked out and have never seen nor spoken to this man again. I get the fascination people have with psychics and fortune tellers, but in my opinion, I think sometimes it's just easier not to know so much. Like they say, ignorance is bliss. I had never heard of a sin eater before, so this was interesting to me. And I also, I've heard the word imp, but, you know, like an impish child, kind of mischievous, but I didn't really know the the origins of what that, where that came from. No, imp, I had only, you know, we talked about it in the Nain Rouge, that that was what mm-hmm. Cadillac, Monsieur Cadillac called the Nain Rouge, and which I just thought was like a smaller demon, but I didn't realize it was mm-hmm. a specific type of demon that, you know, follows around, you know, attaches to and follows around somebody. Sin Eater, I'd only recently heard in a news article, someone described um, kind of first responders, anybody that works with the public as like sin eaters of our capitalist society. Honestly, it was regarding the Southwest Airlines meltdown of like customers wanting to scream at the employee versus, you know, because they can't really talk to an actual big corporation. And so, Mm -hmm. and then what that does to employees who get screamed at for something that they are not responsible for. And like, Mm -hmm. it takes that toll and you become an outcast. You, you know, so I was just drawing a parallel to it, I think, but this type of ceremony I'm interested in. I've never, have you ever done Reiki? No, I've wanted to for many, many years. So I recently started a bucket list um, in my phone and I'm going to add this to it. Let's do it. Add a bucket list. Do you want to hear say, what, what's on it right now? Uh, certainly I do. I want to hear it so bad. I was about to say, let's do it. as Because I'm always like, I'll go. Yeah, what do you want to do? If you okay. need to do stuff on your own, you let me know. I won't Here show they are. Up. This is a, a ever-evolving list. So, you know, there's uh, it's going to change. Uh, visit the Sedona Energy Vortexes. Yep. See the Northern Lights. Mm-hmm. Visit Vancouver Island. Island of the Seawolves. And then this one has been a dream of mine for years. And 
it's going to sound silly. Please. But I want more than anything to mow a really big lawn with a <laughs> riding lawnmower. Yeah. With like the <laughs> kind of shit, like the nail. Yeah. Like where it's like all tall and then you can like see your progress and then it's yeah. like all smooth at the you end like, and you know you did that. Like yes, back and forth. Just, yes, like vacuuming, but the lawn, but big. I bet that's satisfying. I bet we know yeah. somebody with some land. They'd be like, "Yeah, you can come up mow my lawn if you want." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's on your bucket list. I pay somebody to do that. Come on out. Come on yeah. down. So I have yeah. a bunch of um, you know vacation travel destinations, and then I just Experience. need to go out to the country and find somebody <laughs> with a lot of land and a John Deere. Make that happen. She thinks my tractor's sexy. Uh, <laughs> we have to. You have to add to the bucket list. It's your list. You don't have to add it, but I think we're we have to do a mushroom event or whatever. It oh was. yes, I'm Talked adding it right now. Um, <laughs> mushroom event. <laughs> mushroom event is what I will call it. That's what it's okay. called. Got it. Now mushroom uh, events in there to tap into the mycelium. Well, I think that this is a very beneficial ceremony if it freed you, Sabs, of your imp and your. You know, if it helps somehow slough off some of the Death Eater past life stuff, but it can, I bet it's emotionally intense, especially mm -hmm. those two things are both dark, more negative. The imp is very negative. The sin eating is very negative. So I'm sure that was probably a really draining experience, but hopefully better and lighter on the other side mm -hmm. is what, what Sab said. So uh, that's what those are intended for i believe so good i'm glad it worked out for you and i uh we will update everyone when we get our own reiki healings and we'll once i mow that lawn <laughs> we'll find you a lawn to mow <laughs> well thank you so much sabs sinisterhood will be right back Well, finally, our final stories this week come from Andrew Tate. We gave you a little intro up top, but Andrew is the host of Let's Not Meet, which is a true horror podcast, as well as Odd Trails, which is an anthology of true paranormal stories. Yes, we loved chatting with Andrew. Very easy to talk to. Great voice. He up top shares his own Odd But True story, and then he shared two of kind of his uh better known stories. He said they're ones that people have really resonated with them and gravitated towards of ones he's read on his show. So he shared those with us too. And all three compelling, fascinating, spooky. Oh yeah. You had, he had our jaws on the floor with some of them. Uh, yes. So, and the, I mean, we had theories, you're going to love it and uh, you're going to love Andrew and help us help Andrew reclaim his name. <laughs> yes. He deserves to respect be on that name. The one and only Andrew Tate. Not, we don't even think about the bad. I mean, think about him because, you know, he's an asshole and we can't just discredit what he's done. But um, let's take back that name and give it to this one. Give it to Instead, this Andrew. This is the Andrew Tate. The other is disgraced former kickboxer and failed podcaster Andrew, Andrew Tate. Tate. Perfect. Imprisoned, Andrew, incarcerated Andrew Tate. So, yeah. <laughs> so, thank you. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, thanks to Andrew for hanging out with us. Well, hello and welcome to another Freaky Friday listener story edition. We have a very special guest with us today. It is Andrew Tate, the host of Let's Not Meet. Hey, it's nice to be here, guys. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. 
right off the bat, because we, we're going to get people saying, what? Andrew mm-hmm. Tate, let's just address it, because we you. don't want to belabor it. I'm sure you've been hit over the head with it since everything happened, but it's not the Andrew. This is a good Andrew well, Tate. No, no, it is the one. Andrew Tate. It's you're, just a yeah, you're taking Tate. it back. I like that you're Andrew like, this Tate. is my moniker, and you will not <laughs> he gets sully be, it. I think other Andrew Tate gets to be the shitty Andrew yes, Tate, yes, and yes. you are the Andrew you're Tate. You're the normal the good, good Andrew Tate. guy Andrew It's Tate. especially irritating because yeah. we're both exactly the same age. And oh, like, no. It's two Andrew Tates born in 1987. And he, he had a should. podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And he had a podcast. There's yeah, yeah there's just enough similarities to where, like, <laughs> oh. somebody could be like, that's enough. I've heard enough. You're like, no, but really, no, I it's promise not the he's same. awesome. He actually talks about how terrible guys are sometimes <laughs> on his show. <laughs> I, I, I said this on tour. Like, my podcast is about people like Andrew yes, Tate. Yes, yeah. That's which the is just bizarre. It. This weird yeah. existence that I live in now. Yeah. Doesn't you're, make sense. It's a real Michael Bolton situation. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I had this name first before this no talent ass clown. He's the one who sucks. Yeah. No, I know. We were listening to um, one of your shows earlier, and you mentioned that it's kind of ruined your life since since it, <laughs> your Twitch stream happened. Yeah, is it uh, oh, yeah, is it yeah. better now that it's not quite as new? Yeah, that was weird. That clip went viral. Um, yeah, I saw that. I was like, okay. Because I, I couldn't, st- the, the audiences on Twitch are just kind of childish and bizarre at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, I couldn't do a stream with my name in the title without, yeah. you know, just tremendous amount of trolls sure. coming through, just like yeah. ruining everything. I mean, it's not like I'm upset about it, but it was no, more so but... just like tiresome. Like, yeah. yes, it's funny. Two people have the same name. Yeah. It, it, that's what, that's all you got. Like, yeah. <laughs> and one of them that's is very, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I literally can't do anything about it. No. So get off my dick about the whole yeah, get off thing. My yeah. like, I can't do anything about it. Honestly. I yeah. will say you guys are rather brave for introducing me as Andrew Tate. I actually have <laughs> gone on other podcasts in the past and one recently they just referred to me as Andrew from Let's Not Meet. Oh, and dang. I, I respect that. They didn't want to ruin it. their <laughs> search no, engine. we like bright <laughs> accuracy and we want you to reclaim the name yeah. so everybody that's on you're here you're taking it back make sure yeah. you go and google Andrew Tate let's not meet Andrew Tate good podcast <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna try to get your SEO up so that yeah. you're uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, are yeah. again the Andrew Tate but yeah well you have awesome. let's not meet for if people haven't checked it out already what would be kind of your description of the of the show yeah, so let's not meet. It was inspired by the subreddit thread that's been around for years, uh, similar to my friends over at the No Sleep podcast that kind of mm-hmm. did the same thing. Um, it they're just first person encounters with all kinds of creeps and dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. And people share their stories. I narrate them, and then I also have another podcast that's similar to it. I like to call it my sister podcast called Odd Trails. Mm-hmm. It's the paranormal version of Let's Not Meet that I do with a co-host, Brandon Lanier. Awesome. And then I just had a new podcast that came out called Welcome to Paradise. It sucks where I interview <laughs> uh, folks that have had nightmare vacations. And oh, uh, awesome. it's a little more comical, a lot more fun. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just, let's not meet is the, uh, the most popular of them and excited to get into some of those stories. Yeah. So it started with you reading them, the Reddit submissions, and now it's transitioned to listeners telling their own stories. Yeah. So I was just writing to all of these Reddit authors, uh, seeing if they wanted to be involved in the podcast, having their uh, stories featured. And I started out there just, you know, narrating some of those stories. Eventually, people started writing and I actually stopped doing the podcast after a year or so just due to some health problems. And the amount of uh, the amount of emails and requests that I got to bring it back 
it was so insane that like, oh, wow. I, I just had to. And I, I didn't yeah. know how important the podcast was to people. I just thought these were scary stories, but I had people writing in saying, no, these are similar things that have happened to me, happened to women all over the world mm -hmm. that I could actually relate to. You know, the show ends up being sort of therapy for a lot of people. Oh, and yeah. It ended up being a way more important show than I thought. And yeah. so that just, you know, compelled me to bring it back. And I personally, and I can say this for a lot of other guys out there that are involved and listen to the podcast. We've learned so much from these stories, particularly mm -hmm. women's stories. It's, it's insane. Yeah, that's kind of what Freaky Fridays become for yeah. us is a platform for women mostly to share, you know, mm -hmm. stories of assault and domestic violence and a lot of other stuff too. But we've heard from so many that it helps me feel less alone. I didn't, even, I had suppressed yes. this memory and didn't even remember it until I heard somebody else tell their story. And we mm -hmm. always say there's so much power in storytelling. So, the fact that they were like, you got to bring it back. That's got to make you feel good. And yeah, we, it becomes something that you don't even know, like what it was to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely made me feel good, but it also gave me this, this strange sense of like, oh, wow, I didn't know what I was doing with this podcast. Like I said, right? I thought I was just telling scary stories. I didn't yeah. realize how, how big it was, but yeah. We talked about that. It just takes on a life of its own. Yeah. The yeah. listeners make it theirs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially because there's no like uh, audience right in front of you to gauge mm -hmm. reaction. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on trails is on its way there, too. We get so many these like bizarre, strange, weird stories from people. Mm -hmm. And we've me and my co-host, Brandon, just from sort of involving ourselves in these stories about, you know, UFOs, hauntings, ghosts, all kinds of things. We've had weird things happening to us since mm, we started doing wow. the podcast. It's almost like we've invited these things into our yeah. lives. Your, and even listeners are, are talking about weird things that are happening when they listen wow. to the show. So it's, yeah, it's podcasting is magic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It connects you and you don't know that that mm -hmm. connection could have been, it, it was there all along, but now with this story, you know, to look for it. Yeah. And it allows you to reach people you would have never reached otherwise, you know, yeah. all mm -hmm. over the country and globe. Well, we know that you have one of your own Freaky Friday stories and then a couple uh, from your show. So let's start mm -hmm. with the one that is your personal odd but true story. Yeah. So in my twenties, I had moved back in with my parents for a year after I had an injury and I couldn't work. And during that time, it's a small town. I spent most of my time at the bars because there was nothing else to do. One night driving home and I hadn't even drank this night. Maybe I had like a beer and I'm driving home. It's late at night. It's a two lane highway. And I see this bright light up in the sky, just a big ball. And I just assume that it's a helicopter or something, but it starts getting bigger and closer and starts freaking me out. Small town, like I said, two-lane highway, nobody out there. I roll down my window and I actually can't hear anything. There's no helicopter noise. There's no airplane noise. There's nothing. It's completely silent besides the road. Car comes up behind me and I'm assuming they have to see it as well. It starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger until I, I, I want to say it was like maybe, it's hard to remember, but maybe 30, 40 feet in the sky oh. is what it seemed like. But it wasn't mm -hmm. emitting light. It was just like, its own light mm -hmm. up there in the sky. It was just like a ball of light. It was so weird. So I pull over and the guy pulls over behind me. We get out of our cars and this thing just shoots back up into the sky, just Whoa. right up into the sky. And this is before most people had cell phones. This was like early days of cell phones. This is when I had a Nokia brick phone. The guy that pulled <laughs> over, uh, he was an Indian guy that didn't speak English and he didn't have a phone or there was no way for us to really communicate mm -hmm. or anything. We were just kind of like, what the hell did we just see? You know? Mm -hmm. um, so that was that. 
And I just went home and I was like, man, that was so weird. And I remember it was really late, like way later than I remember. And I went to bed after talking with my dad because he was waiting up for me. I went to bed and then the next morning when leaving for work, I went out to the car and looked up at my window for some reason. I don't know why, but I looked up at my window and there was a handprint right <gasps> next to my oh, window oh. on the outside of the house. It was like a, a black handprint, like somebody's dirty hand had been pressed up against the side of the house oh. and the fingers were like pointed towards mm -hmm. the window like somebody was oh. peering in. So I ran up there, uh, opened the window and I like wiped where the handprint was and it came off like it was ash. It wasn't even like dirt. Oh. It just flaked off like it was ash. Wow. Mm. But the fingerprints, like the hand came up but the fingerprints stayed for some reason. So we still, and I went there recently and visited my dad and I talked to him. I was like, do you remember the handprint thing? He's like, I don't even remember this. And I was like, the fingerprints are still there. I took a picture of it. It's on my Instagram. Wow. They're still there to this day? To this day. Literally like a week ago, I took a picture wow. of it and the fingerprints are still there right next to my window. And it, like this just happened to take place the same night that I saw this yeah. UFO. Oof. Um, it kind of it just makes you feel like something might have been following. It knew that I saw it. I do often have sleep paralysis and shadow person experiences. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you guys are too familiar yeah. with those. Mm -hmm. um, and I can recall that night having one. Um, mm. But it's hard to correlate those two things just because they would happen so often, especially back then. Well, and it also doesn't explain the sticky ash fingerprints yeah. outside your window. No shadow yeah, exactly. person who's doing imagined that? shadow person would leave that. Yeah. So yeah. something corporeal. Wow. And especially that another person saw it and validated. Oh, yeah, now the whole world's right? seen I'm it. seeing this in the <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. did anyone from the neighborhood, did anybody else talk about it? Oh no. So the the town that I lived in, majority of people there, uh, I want to say like half the population is Indian. And uh, most of them don't speak English and our whole neighborhood was mostly Indian. So and we didn't really like converse with anybody too much. So mm -hmm. we just, everybody kind of kept to themselves wow. and uh, nobody brought it up. There was no big deal about it. In fact, I remember my dad saying, oh, that's weird. <laughs> like, that was that. There's somebody peering into my son's room. Whatever. Wow. He, he's a big boy. Well, Whatever. <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah. Little alien Ooh. peering in, seeing what you're doing. Right. I have never seen a UFO and I want to so bad. I thought I did, but it was an airplane. Turns yeah. out. <laughs> Usually they are, but right? occasionally you get something that's. And then it's coupled with little fingerprints. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, uh, how long ago was that? What year did you say? Man, that was probably, what was that, like 23? It's probably like 13, 14 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Wow. And those, whatever that thing was made out of. It did not wash off. Yeah. <laughs> crazy for 13 whatever it's material it the is house. You know? right the parents have to sell the house they're gonna have to disclose Singed it on the seller yeah. bricks <laughs> you know what, oh you know what also is wild that i noticed when i was there i pointed out to my dad that the windowsill was starting to rot and it was the only oh. part of the house that started to rot he's like yeah i don't know we need to take wow. care of it but it seeped through the bricks and made its way to the windowsill. Mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. Not of this world. Some kind of organic material. The alien. Yeah. We're not do. equipped to it's deal too with. Many, it's just too many coincidences. It's too many me. variables. Yeah. yeah for it to be night. a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I yeah. agree. And in a row. Oh, uh, well, that was, that is definitely freaky. Well, Thank I've you. We've been wanting UFO stories. Thank yes. You. Yes. Thank we you, never, you. we always are cryptid in UFO stories. We, um, we're always <laughs> biting at the chomp for. What's the first one from your show that you're going to tell us next? 
I actually get a lot of submissions for my Let's Not Meet podcast that seem a little too weird and unexplainable, and mm. I will move those over to Odd Trails. Uh, but there's this one that I just couldn't decide which show to tell it on, so I kind of want to share that one. Yeah. This one's called The Blue Video Camera from a listener that asked to remain anonymous. Okay. Mm-hmm. This story happened around 15 years ago, so the memory isn't as clear as it used to be. My younger brother, who was with me at the time, has completely forgotten about it over the years. I don't know if this was some kind of glitch in the simulation type thing, a ghost, or some other kind of weird prank, but it still scares me to this day. When I was about nine, I was playing with my little brother, who was five years younger than me, in our garden after school. There are a couple of things that you do need to know about certain parts of the layout of our house to understand why this has terrified me for so many years. As you look up at the house, you can see the upstairs bathroom window facing the garden where we were. It's covered by that blurry translucent material that prevents people outside from seeing who's inside. Directly behind the upstairs bathroom is this corridor of the second level of the house. Now, in that corridor, I have a recollection of my father doing some kind of loud DIY work. Memory steals the exact details from me, but it was loud, loud enough to be heard from the outside of the house in the garden. He's always doing stuff like that. He even knocked down the walls and expanded half of the house one year. Anyway, the point is, his location in the house is outside of the bathroom in that narrow corridor, performing an activity that's loud enough to be heard from the garden where we were. Whenever we heard the sound of an electric saw or some kind of power tool, we knew that he was there. My little brother and I had been outside for a while and the sun was beginning to set and it started to get cold. I took my brother to the door and we tried to open it. At the time, I thought that the door was locked and I began to panic because I thought that my father had locked it and forgot that we were outside. Retrospectively, I realized that the door was just stuck as it often was. My weak little nine-year-old arms just couldn't open it. I took my little brother to the middle of the garden where we could see the bathroom window and we tried to yell to get my dad's attention. The power tool would pause every so often and I'd try to yell so that he could hear me. I was panicking as I realized that we were going to be stuck out in the dark until he remembered that we were out there. This is when the creepy things started. The bathroom window opened and it was one of those separated windows so you still couldn't see whoever opened it. You could only see whatever was reaching beyond the window. Suddenly, a hand holding a blue and silver video camera reached out of the window. I'll never forget it. This is the memory that time could never steal from me. It was one of those video cameras with a viewfinder on the side that flipped outwards. The camera was pointing towards my brother and me in the garden filming us. I recognized the hand holding the camera immediately. It was my father's hand. The hand did this repeatedly. I distinctly remember seeing the hand come out of the window with the camera at least three times to film for a little under a minute before retreating back into the window. Now here are some things that just don't make sense to me. The hand looked like my father's hand, but whoever was filming us was not my father. I know this because I could still hear the power tools going and my father was the only one in the house. Due to his location in the house, 
being right outside of the bathroom, my father would have been able to see if somebody went into that bathroom or at least know that someone had walked in there. Sinisterhood will be right back. The next thing is the fact that my father owns one or two video cameras, but they're all black. He doesn't own a blue and silver video camera. I know this because I've got an obsessive personality. And if he did own one, I sure as hell would have found it the way that I tore that house apart looking for it when I eventually got inside. I would continue to look for it for years. My dad would not have disposed of a camera like that. I get my barely socially acceptable levels of hoarder personality from him. He doesn't throw stuff away like that. The last thing that I remember was the hand. Now, remember I said that I recognized the hand immediately. My father has very distinctive, large, thick hands. So how was it that I was hearing him drilling and sawing away at something, but I was also seeing his hands come out of the window? He couldn't possibly be in two places at once. All his siblings are spread out around the globe. None of his brothers are in the country. So it wasn't some rogue uncle hiding in the bathroom with similar hands. Even if you argued that perhaps he had moved locations and I was hearing the saw from another location in the house, it doesn't explain how I was hearing the tool and seeing the hand holding the camera simultaneously. I turned to ask my brother if he could see what I was seeing. I thought that I was going mad. He confirmed he could see it too and seemed to share my fear. I didn't know what to do. I felt helpless, so I ran back to the door to try and stay out of view of the camera. I tried my hardest to open it again. Eventually, the sound of the power tool stopped and the door opened. It was my father. He was very annoyed that we had stayed out in the garden for as long as we did. He was also irritated that we were claiming that the door was locked. But the first words out of my mouth weren't about that. They were, was that you? Were you filming us? My father looked at me incredulously, confused and irritated. He asked me what I was talking about and looked at me like I was insane. Because obviously he had not moved from where he was working and he saw nobody walk into that bathroom. My relationship with my parents has always been strained, starting from when I was incredibly young. They had a great sense of unearned distrust in me. They had this idea that I was always lying about something, which ruined our relationship from the start, and it's given me horrible trauma around lies or liars. It's made me have a very hard time lying to anybody, even in normal situations where most people would genuinely expect you to, or rather you did. I was a good kid. I didn't tell lies, sneak out, talk back, or do any of those typical bad kid things. I was too scared anyway. It wasn't very odd or out of character that my dad didn't take me seriously or got annoyed with me instead. In his mind, I was just making things up. Some might argue and say that perhaps it was some sort of prank and my dad was holding the camera. Maybe for some odd reason, he had just left the power tools on. To the naysayer, I would let you know that my father is not the pranking type. I don't know what else to say there except that when I looked into my father's eyes and asked if it was him, I knew right then and there that it wasn't. When my mother came home, I asked her if we owned a blue and silver video camera, and she said no. Every couple of years, I remember this story, and I go on a hunt online looking for that specific camera. I've never been able to find the exact model, as I couldn't make out the silver letters on the side of the camera from where I was standing. It's gotten harder over the years, as 
time has gone by and technology has progressed. I watched my little brother's memory of that day slip away until his only memory of it was me asking him if he remembered. I get scared thinking about one day accidentally stumbling upon the footage somewhere, seeing me as a little girl with my brother out in the garden looking upwards and crying. I don't know what I'd do if I ever saw it. This event has scared me for so long that if I ever did find out that somehow it was just a bit, some planned prank that my dad was in on, I think I'd walk out of the door and never come back. Dramatic, I know, but like I said, I have a thing about lies, and I don't know where that came from. Anyway, to whoever or whatever that was with my dad's hands filming my brother and me 15 years ago, let's never meet. Dang. Oh, that is thinking about watching the footage Mm-mm. gave me a chill I didn't know I could even have. Which is worse, finding it in, in your dad's stuff or finding it like Online. and having no explanation yeah. for who did yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's like a clip used in a horror film or yeah, something. Yeah, and yeah. Like, that's me. And they're like, it's from a stock footage website. And you're like, what? Yeah, yeah, I think I'd be more upset if my dad was lying to me the whole time. Yeah, I think so. Wow, it's a long. So I agree. Creepy. Yeah, and it, the I, the thing that I love about this story, this is the one one of the few that I just haven't f- let slip my mind from Odd Trails because it could be about so many different things. It could be about some kind of doppelganger. It could be like they said, some kind of glitch in the matrix where <laughs> you know things just don't really make sense. You mm-hmm. know, um, there's so many different things that it could be. Yeah, doppelgangers and, creep me out. Yeah, yeah, doppelgangers are some of the scariest things to think about just when you start thinking about it for too long it starts to get scarier and scarier we were talking about on a recent episode um we heard on another podcast somebody referring to doppelgangers as being created in mirrors so whenever you're looking in the mirror the mirror is slowly creating the doppelganger until one day (laughs) you start seeing something different in the mirror it's not quite right or it doesn't move the same way you do Mm. it's an interesting theory and it (laughs) just delayed a little too long the reaction and then it gives you like a (laughs) (laughs) freaking myself out this is how i stay up late at night going wouldn't that be horrible if your reflection winked at you it's like yeah (laughs) it's never gonna happen though go to bed well but i stay up going wouldn't it be horrible if your dad was gaslighting you for 26 years years. somehow that's worse yeah yeah Yeah, and but it's also like very possible to you know i mean like it might not be this but it does it has happened yeah yeah and i know these types of people like his dad the no nonsense type i have them in my family too oh maybe it's a prank i was like this dude does not prank no that's that's a weird prank yeah. 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 And I think, you know, when you look at somebody and they genuinely have no idea what you're talking yeah. about, you mm-hmm. see that reflection Blank. of just like uh, confusion that can't be really be mimicked. Yeah. Yeah. And this disembodied like arm reaching out of the oh, window with the camera. I hate it. The, the camera's the worst part. What yeah. are you That's doing? That's a terrifying image. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, it would be hard for him to do as a prank. And also, what's he going to be like? I'm going to leave the circular saw going. I'm going to leave, walk out of the room, and then I'm, go do a prank on my what? kids. Like, and then I'm going to throw this game? camera away. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, never the do anything with the footage and never be like, gotcha. Yeah, you don't, don't even get it. the payoff of, like, no. pulling off a prank. Yeah. Not yeah. a great prank. Yeah. yeah. Jeez Louise. Well, let's just say Creepy. it was probably a doppelganger. Yeah. Ooh. Or some kind of alien form getting some data. Yeah, get go down there and see what these spines are doing. Yeah, super creepy. Oh well, dang. So you had another one too. 
Yeah, so we had one that uh, appeared on Let's Not Meet some time ago. Really, This one really scared me. Something about um, the stories that involve kids are the most traumatizing and scary. Oh, they're, yes. they're the ones oh, that yeah. stick with me the most because growing up, um, I was Pentecostal growing up. So I was around okay. a lot of uh, intense situations, a lot of, I guess you could say, spiritual abuse from mm. in some ways. Um, just it really kind of opened me up to a lot of uh, just weird memories and things that mm-hmm. just happened in my life that wouldn't happen to normal kids. Anyway, the the stories about kids really freaked me out. So this is one from Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany writes, this story occurred about 21 years ago. I was 10. I had a stepsister who was my age and a younger brother. Most weekends, my parents would leave us alone for a few hours while they were out. Now, I need to explain a little bit about our house before I can tell you what happened. The house was built a long time ago. Upstairs is where all of the bedrooms were. In each room, there were crawl spaces connected to every room through the walls. My sister and I shared a room, and my bed was right next to our crawl space door. One night, when we were left home alone, it was a cold winter night. Our parents were at their friend's house. It was the next town over. We were in the downstairs living room when we heard noises coming from upstairs. Now, us being only ten, we were scared shitless. The stairs to the second floor are located right in front of the front door. We were creeping through the house in that direction, trying not to make any noise, when we finally heard two voices conversing. We all looked at each other and immediately decided to book it out the front door. No shoes, no jackets, we just ran for it. As we left the house, we turned back to see a ladder set up, leading to my bedroom window. Not knowing what to do, we ran down the street, and this was a time before cell phones. We waited for hours freezing outside waiting for our parents to come back. Finally, after what felt like a lifetime, they arrived. We told them what had happened and, of course, they chalked it up to our imagination. It took a while for me to fall asleep that night and no one even bothered to check the crawl spaces. We just always assumed that all of these bumps in the night were due to it being such an old house. About a week later, my younger brother was playing in his crawl space and managed to venture into our room. When he came out, he was carrying a protein bar and a magazine in his hands. My parents asked us if we were hiding food in the crawl space. We told them, obviously, that we weren't. They explored the crawl space with flashlights, and they found something truly terrifying. There, around the corner from the door to the crawl space, just near my bed, were photos of us sleeping, wrappers from what could have been a week's worth of food, and adult magazines. Oh, Who knows how long those intruders may have been watching us and waiting. We'll never know. But to the creeps that hid in our crawl space, I hope we never, ever meet. I hope you go to jail and die. Oh, gosh. I thought Mm -hmm. this was going to be supernatural, and it was way worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, the ladder is real. There's (laughs) somebody up there. Oh, yeah. We changed gears to (laughs) real let's not meet stuff. This is, yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, 
good on those kids for Running not out. fucking around. You fuck around, you find out. If you hear mm-hmm. voices, don't go up there and see nope. what it is. Bail. Run and wait in the cold. Yeah. God, good <laughs> for I, mean, I guess they just retreated back to their, their cubbies. Yeah, when the kid when the parents came home. Yeah, God. Believe your kids. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Believe don't, your kids. Don't I mean, that's a lot of imagination. It doesn't take a lot to just check cross spaces. Also, yeah. That's like boarded up too. Come on, you now. got multiple crawl spaces in your house. There's too many crawl spaces. Happens in a crawl space. No, shut them down. Mm-mm. Often in the stories, I see recurring uh, themes where parents don't believe kids, or mm-hmm. parents or kids are scared to even tell their parents because their parents never believe them, or they're going to think Mm-mm. they're going to be the ones in trouble for the oh, bad yeah. thing mm-hmm. happening. So mm-hmm. this poor relationship between parents and kids often exacerbates these things mm-hmm. and can lead yeah, to yeah. even more dangerous situations. So my tips have always been as a childless adult from what yeah, I've gleaned right? from these stories, <laughs> talk to your kids and tell them it's okay to tell you anything. Don't make them right? feel like they're the bad guy for something no, bad for happening sure. or yeah. being in a bad situation. I remember growing up at our church, there was this single guy that went to our mm-hmm. church that had a trailer behind his truck oh, that he kept mm-mm. a candy machine in and mm-hmm. he would invite all the kids in there to get candy. And while nothing mm-hmm. bad happened to me or as far as I know, any of my friends, yeah, the parents just let it happen because it was yeah. the 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, you're like, yeah. well, we have to be polite. And it's like, exactly. hopefully nowadays we're like, hey man, listen, you're not a bad guy, but you can't be fucking bringing kids to exactly. your also, like, You, gotta get out of here. you can't there, even like, talk to my kids. Like, yeah, don't no, even no, talk no, to kids even, if they're no. not yours. Don't even no. talk to them. Unless no. a kid yeah. comes to me and is like, help me find my parents or something. Yeah. <laughs> in which case, I'm not like, nope, get, deal yeah. with it. But I also, them, don't, but yeah. don't feel scared to intervene if you see something yeah. fishy. Yeah. There's also been yeah. plenty of stories where somebody's intervened yeah. and they've stopped somebody from kidnapping We just covered covered one on our recent Freaky Friday that'll come out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, of a potential trafficking situation that you step up and yeah, say something. somebody witnessed of a mm-hmm. of a young child. So. Oh man, and I hate I you know I have to just call out one thing. I get so many emails and messages from people saying uh, trafficking trafficking is not as bad as you think it is. People always say they think they were in a situation where they could have been trafficked, and that's that's mm-hmm. not true. It's not as as common as you think. And it's like, dude, it, if it's one person trafficked, it's a big enough issue to talk about. <laughs> Too many people warn people about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, that was told person. us like. Statistically, it's going to be more vulnerable people, mm-hmm. undocumented kids, yeah, yeah. Uh, unhoused people, people and with suffering. Like, that, like with that's supposed illness. to make it better. Yeah. Like we shouldn't no, it talk make about it. Better, it. You but know, it's like, I know it's that's real. what I'm saying. Like, like that yeah. tends to be like their excuse for it. It's like right. that, that doesn't make it any better. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. it's I totally like it's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Real. So, and it's something that yeah, not enough people report on. But hopefully, like you said, we see it. You want to intervene? Mm-hmm. Go with your gut in a lot of cases because yeah. you know somebody can suss it out. What's, what's the on? worst thing? You you check something. You check a crawl space out, mm-hmm. right? The worst thing is there's a fucking your kid person gets taken. The best thing is you you might waste a couple minutes of your time, yeah, and there's yeah. nothing in there. Yeah, yeah just believe it, your kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, believe them. And hammer yeah. the crawl space shut. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I've you've, I've seen those TikToks of people that like buy you know a New York apartment and then they start to renovate and they realize there's a whole room behind like their walls mm-hmm. and people have been in there and you're like to know that that's been going on. Yeah, yeah. there was. I, I, if I can remember the details right, there was a story from the very first episode of season one of the show where somebody was staying in a hotel and they're think I. Think their things were going missing. No, if I can recall correctly, I need to go back and listen to it again. But it, it basically uh, led to them 
finding a crawl space behind the mirror in the hotel oh. room that some woman was living in oh, in the hotel in the she walk. posted pictures of the hole in oh, our facebook no. group oh my god not me. Yeah. people in the wall people in the ceiling mm-hmm. ever since that csi episode where the cable guy hid in nick's attic and was chasing them around that traumatized me and then on the show we covered the story of daniel daniel plant who Uh was living in that family's walls and so stories like that get me and make me be like i'm like how do you get between these walls or like ma'am i'm a real estate agent what are you talking (laughs) i need to know i need to know how easy it is to get between these walls because i didn't know if i need to check them before i go to bed they're like always check them yeah yeah so Full perimeter search before you can every time. go to bed every night. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry well, for the stark you. change from the supernatural <laughs> no, 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 to no. traumatizing. It was, good, it was a visceral, uh, good scare. So. And it's Freaky Friday. We talk about all horrors, odd mm-hmm. and true, real yeah. and imagined and explicable and inexplicable. Yeah. So. That's uh well, thank you so much for sharing mm-hmm. all of yours. Where can people find you? What are all your socials and do you have anything exciting on the horizon? Yeah, you can find all of my podcasts uh, from my production company that I'm involved in at crypticcountypodcasts.com or just search for them wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, I do have something exciting coming up. Last year, we raised uh, some money to shoot a pilot for uh, a possible Let's Not Meet TV series. And uh, we didn't hit our goal, but we raised enough to do one episode, one, uh, a couple of stories. And uh, we just wrapped up the filming a few months ago. I I hear that the final edit is almost done, which means I can get started on scoring it. Once I've scored it and, you know, everything's finished up, we want to hopefully release it this year uh, and then move on to episode two. We're doing it all ourselves. It's completely independent. That's amazing. um, That is on the horizon. Yes. It's going to be called Let's Never Meet. Oh, we can't wait to watch it. Yeah, and that'll be on uh, your website and Oh yeah, I'll have it easy YouTube, to find YouTube everything. Oh, yeah. very cool. Awesome. And, uh, we can't wait yeah, to watch it. Yeah, and you can follow the progress and follow me uh, on Instagram at let's not meet cast. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thanks guys. Thank Thanks. you. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for talking with us. We had so much fun. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush of true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves Get Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive audio content like Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. And patrons in our Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment that they would like to see us live stream each quarter. The uh, upcoming one is in a few days, if you're hearing this, it's April 30th. It's Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central, and we're doing rural internet posts, which is some wild and crazy stuff from the Craigslist and Facebook groups around here. It is always a hoot, so you can still sign up for that. A hoot and a holler. Yeehaw! You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. 
We hop on occasionally and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. You can also go to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows for information on all of our upcoming shows for our live full moon energy tour. We're going to be in Austin and Houston this week. Y'all are going to hear this after the fact. And aren't you thinking, man, I wish I'd known ahead of time so I could have gone to that. Well, Go to sinisterhood.com slash live shows and you can see where we're coming next because we got a lot of other cities left still. I was thinking about that this morning. Oh, yeah. At first, I was like, we've done so many shows so far, but we have so many more to go. So many more people to see. Yeah, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, April 28th, you're and you're from Austin, you're in the afterglow of the Austin show, how good it was, but you still have time to come on May 3rd to the Houston show mm-hmm. or any of our future ones. Just like Christy said, sinisterhood.com slash live shows. And so many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on shop on the top banner or come and see us live where you can get an exclusive tour shirt. We also have stickers that you can buy and our logo shirt as well as posters when you go to our show. You also get a free signed poster when you sign up for the VIP, which they have been so fun and just Gosh. cozy and intimate. We're Hoot. it's a forty-five minute post-show Q and A. Everyone just sits around like a little fireside chat, and we take whatever questions you guys want to ask us, or if there's cases you want to talk about, stuff in the show that you had questions about. Some we've shown home videos. I mean, it's we'll do whatever. Right. It's it's become a really good mix of questions about the show that we just did, like follow up questions or stuff to add questions about true crime. Like we talked about Adnan Syed in the Mm -hmm. Salt Lake City Q&A just because that was in the news and someone had a question about it. And then also our personal lives. And yeah, last time we ended up with Glamour Shots pictures, just like wherever (laughs) the conversation takes us. There we are. There we are. There's Glamour Shot from what? 10, 11? (laughs) Yeah, it was 1997. So I would have been probably about to turn 11. So I was 10. Oh man! Like I said, they dressed me up like a divorcee going on a a (laughs) post-divorce cruise to get her groove back. She was 11, but that picture screams 45. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was like, I'm just getting started. I haven't even begun to peak. No, your life is, you're getting your groove back. Mm -hmm. You can support the show fast, easy, and at no cost to you by rating, reviewing, and following on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Speaking of reviews, you can easily leave one by going to Sinisterhood.com slash reviews. Yours may even be featured on our social media. If you have a friend you think would like us, you can easily share any episode with them by clicking the three dots in the top right corner. You can also share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting Sinisterhood.com slash playlists. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. You can like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Don't forget to go to YouTube to watch the full video interview with Andrew. And you can see our shocked expressions at many of his many moments in these stories because there was just jaw dropping on the floor. But beautifully mm-hmm. edited by Paris at YouTube slash Sinisterhood Podcast. We also have clips on our TikTok, TikTok.com and at Sinisterhood Podcast. And if you want us to make a video specifically for you, you can go to Cam 
Vimeo, search Sinisterhood, and we can send a customized video shout out to you if you need a personal pep talk or someone, a Sinisterhood lover in your life. You want to say happy Mother's Day. You want to say, I love you. I uh, Will you go out with me? Happy anniversary. Happy birthday. You got the- Happy birthday. Whatever you want, we can do it. We'll deliver a customized video message for whoever you want in your life on Cameo. Christy, where are you at online? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on M- Twitter at MCK versus the world and I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister.